you're listening to Way to Live, the Holistic Wellbeing Podcast. Hosted, produced, and edited by me, Chelsea Connolly. This month, I partnered with my business consultancy, Good Business Design, to deliver some awesome content relating to workplace wellness. That's right, a whole month of deep understanding and inspiring know-how dedicated to our occupational health and our relationship with work. If you've been keeping up with the weekly podcast, I'm so glad to have you back. But if you're new to Way to Live or this month's podcast series, welcome to the Workplace Series, A Brave New Workforce by Way to Live and Good Business Design all of this month. So far, I kicked off part one of the series talking about what exactly is occupational health, what constitutes a workplace, society's impact on our health, and COVID's impact on different industries and job roles in the economy. Part two, which was last week's episode, was all about work-life balance and how to avoid burnout to coincide with Labor Day. And now we're on part three. Today, I'll be exploring our well-being while collaborating on a team and how to facilitate high-performance teams. If you're remotely interested in this podcast series focused on the workplace, you might also like Good Business Design's Workplace Quarterly, which is my business's quarterly magazine, sharing insight into all things work, design, human, and business. You can subscribe to the magazine and learn how business performance and the workplace are being impacted by current events, trends, disruptive processes, human behavior, and culture. In it, you will find leading industry expert interviews, articles, research, data, graphics, and project photos related to the workplace. The magazine is for business leaders, designers, researchers, strategists, creatives, and anyone who is eager to learn, stay in the know, and enhance their understanding of today's landscape at work. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting www.goodbusinessdesign.com forward slash subscribe. You're listening to part three of our workplace series, A Brave New Workforce, in association with Good Business Design. Let's dive in. Collaboration might look different these days. For many of us, our offices have been deemed unsafe to work in during the COVID-19 pandemic, forcing us to work from home. Because we've lost that sense of community in person, we're having to collaborate from a distance using advanced technology and tools. It's been a huge learning curve and cultural change for many organizations, and it continues to be a challenge for many businesses. People may have seen an initial decline in collaborative project success, but 
The reality is that team performance was likely suffering before the pandemic. Projects can be complex and messy, presenting many internal challenges, such as miscommunication, misalignment, distrust, ego, burnout, and poor performance. Arguably, these do not happen because of a lack of a workplace. These are people problems. Poor communication and inharmonious collaboration. For decades, organizations have been facing unsuccessful project execution problems due to internal team performance and their culture. Solutions aiming to alleviate these issues, whether it's new technology or an upgraded office environment, fall short for many organizations due to ineffective strategies and a lack of change management. Technology, tools, and an office environment are all just passive facilitators of change. People are what drives collaboration and successful projects. We are the active facilitators responsible for creating a collaborative culture communicating effectively, and instilling the right habits. A team is made up of people, oftentimes very different people. People with opposing personalities, roles, skills, identities, values, behaviors, and habits. Everyone has to work together to move work forward. And while work is part of our professional life, people have feelings. We're all human at the end of the day. Not instilling empathy in your team is a big missed opportunity. Poor collaborations can make people feel sad, frustrated, unhappy, misunderstood, insecure, apprehensive, apathetic, withdrawn, and unimportant, all aiding in poor performance and productivity. When an employee's well-being is under attack because of a poor leader, other coworkers, or the company's overall culture, it negatively affects a project and increases the chances for the employee to jump ship and add to the already likely high turnover rate. On the other hand, successful collaborations can make people feel happy, understood, trusted, comfortable, nurtured, empowered, engaged, and valued, which all promote higher productivity and performance levels. When employee well-being is prioritized in a company, you see better business and project results, period. There will be a positive synergy between coworkers, enhanced workplace culture, higher attraction and retention rates, and a competitive brand advantage. 
being mindful of people's feelings and their well-being is a powerful facilitator in creating successful teams and a more positive work experience. This holds especially true for leaders. Team leads, managers, and directors should lead with empathy and perform check-ins from a more emotional perspective. It shouldn't just be about work. The human element should be woven into these types of working relationships. It's important to build empathy and trust into teams, but it's also vital to know who you're working with. To have a deep understanding of who your teammates are as an individual. There's so many great ideas and tools out there to help you integrate the human element into the collaborative process to get to know your teammates and build team camaraderie. Learn their personality, what they like and dislike, who they are outside of work, or any hobbies and fun facts that they have. Get to know their skills, what they value when working with others, certain work habits they've developed over their years of experience, and any preferences they have when working on a team. It may seem over the top, but it, th if this wasn't addressed or appropriately discovered, some of these traits, if not all, could get in the way along the collaboration process and impede on project delivery and success. Everyone has different work backgrounds and took unique paths to land the job where they are today. And during that time, it's more than likely that people have developed bad work habits. Employees bring who they are to a job role, but they also bring their prior experience and all the baggage they may have collected along the way. If a company wants to establish optimal work habits, they need to rewire their employees to work collaboratively and effectively and promote a unique, inclusive culture. There's a huge difference between a team and a working group. One creates a collaborative culture and the other a producing culture. Teams in a collaborative culture are empathetic, trusting, supportive, inclusive, productive, harmonious, energizing, and impactful. They have shared leadership roles, mutual accountability, purpose and vision, active listening and problem solving, and collaborative end products. Most organizations have working groups in their producing culture. Working groups work together, yes, but the people in a working group often work and communicate in silos. Working groups are often rigid. They tend to point the finger. It's me versus we. They're less productive have frequent conflict, uh, they're distant, competitive, draining, and typically experience burnout.
There's often one leader who delegates individual tasks to their many supporting roles versus encouraging to all do the work together. And when looking at the finished product, each person can point to what they did versus many teammates working on the whole together as a team. In short, collaborative high-performance teams are like finding a needle in a haystack, which is why impactful collaboration has been widely researched and sought after. In fact, this topic was my master's thesis during grad school at SCAD. I learned a lot during my thesis and have gained much experience since those days, which makes up my understanding of team performance today. So I've talked about the people perspective of teams, but now let's dive deeper into the culture aspect of teams. Work culture is an experience curated by people, places, and technology. The type of people in leadership aid in workplace culture. Are the majority of your coworkers open-minded, understanding, encouraging, rewarding, and generally great people to work with? Or are they difficult to get along with, have negative or offensive personalities? You know, that feeling in the air? Is it egocentric or team-oriented? The kind of environment employees work in can drive an innovative, inspiring, and community-driven culture, or a dull, traditional, and siloed culture. Think about your office. Is your office designed with only private offices and tall cubicle workstations? Or is it an open floor plan with no barrier desks, low panel workstations, small huddle spaces, a variety of meeting rooms, collaborative brainstorming rooms, open touchdown seating, lounges, and community-driven spaces like large kitchens, break rooms, cafes, libraries, and social play areas with games and activities. As you can see, there's a big difference. The built environment alone can improve the culture at work. The technology and tools that we use can also affect our well-being, business performance, and create an informative and resourceful culture or a lack of. The types of tools available to us at work or from home impact project quality as well. The hardware we are provided and the software we use informs a positive work experience or a negative and frustrating one. And if a lot of employees have the same technology issues or share the same feelings, technology alone can shape a stressed out workforce. When technology is done well, 
It helps us get work done quicker, more efficiently, and effectively. To recap, humans we work with, environments we work in, and tools that we use to work all play a key role in developing work culture and vice versa. As mentioned before, there's a gaping difference between collaborative work cultures and producing work cultures. Teams practically inherit the outcome of what they'll produce based off their company's culture. Think about it. Unless there are some swift cultural changes made because of a few insightful pioneers who shook things up to implement a better work environment and enhance communication and collaboration skills, strategies, behaviors, habits, and tools. The key takeaway here is that teams exist within their culture at work. So if you want to have higher performing teams and change the way that your employees work together, you have to start with the culture because that's where you will have the most impact. Become a tight-knit company team made up of smaller, high-performing teams. Don't be another organization with countless silos of working groups. Communication is one of those life skills that all of us can improve upon. And it's no different in a work setting. There are many levels to communication. In the ecosystem of work, conversations are regularly had, information is typically shared, the quality of that information is dependent on that one person relaying the info, more often than not, it's not the highest quality required for someone to retain and execute work tasks successfully. Sometimes emotion is relayed through communication, whether it's through email or messaging, over the phone, virtually or in person, but rarely are stories communicated. And that level of communication is the sweet spot. Storytelling is the innermost layer to strive for. The quality of conversations being had, the quality of information exchanged, and the quality of emotions conveyed come together to create a more powerful story. Taking in new information at work every day is essentially rapid learning on the go. Whether it's learning about a project update, delegating tasks, or requesting changes, we should view every communication relayed as an opportunity to share stories of information and emotion via 
the main types of learning methods. And there are four different types of learners. Number one, reading and writing learners. This is your basic email or messaging exchange at work. Number two, visual learners. At work, this method can show up as drawings, outlines, graphics, and pictures. Number three, auditory learning. At work, this can be a phone or video call or a meeting in person. Number four, kinesthetic learning, learning by doing. So acting out or replaying something that happened at work is important to this type of learner. We should be cognizant of each learning type when working on a team. A team is only as good as their weakest link. So it's best practice to make sure everyone understands what has been conveyed to them and what is expected of them as a follow-up. Strive for powerful text, visual storytelling, graphic facilitation, and engaging meetings for effective communication and higher performing collaborations. Communication should also be clear, open, decisive, constructive, understanding, democratic, engaging, and attentive to be truly effective. The quality of communication in a company can inform the overall culture and vice versa. The culture can also drive the quality of communication. Collaboration goes hand in hand with communication. No matter the tool or technology, the core needs of collaboration remain and align with communication. Work is a community of people and teams are part of that community. In collaborations, knowledge is often shared in order to advance projects forward, but having empathy as a skillful requirement to collaborate is typically lost. Because teamwork is about coming together to complete a task or a project, the human element should be prioritized when working with coworkers on a project. A lack of empathy restricts teams from ever reaching true human connection, which is key to unlocking high performance. When you connect with your teammates on a deeper level, besides just the task at hand, you'll reach new productivity and performance heights you didn't experience before. Harmonious collaborations are synergetic you know when you have a great team. Things just flow. Everyone does their job and you bond on a deeper professional and personal level. Successful collaborations are team oriented, strive for alignment, are inclusive, have purpose and meaning, are friendly and supportive, recognize their teammates, 
and are energizing and revitalizing. You also know when you don't got it. Poor collaborations are egocentric, competitive, often have conflict and no authentic resolution, are only concerned with the task at hand, people are distant and unsupportive, they feel disregarded and unimportant, and experience frequent burnout. The quality of collaboration on teams can inform the overall culture and vice versa. The culture can also drive the quality of collaboration. In conclusion, teams are not all created equal. Just because you work with coworkers on a project, you're not necessarily a tight-knit team. There are layers to building the right team and having the right team synergy. It takes a lot of effort learning about the people you have on your team, creating the best behaviors and habits that work for your team, establishing effective communication, fostering positive collaboration, and designing an optimal culture using office environments, technology, and tools to your best advantage. Together, this will enable a more positive team experience and enhanced performance. During my master's th research thesis, I landed on eight key team performance insights that I believe still ring true today. Number one, transparency of knowledge, emotion, and communication enables shared understanding, engagement, and project alignment. Number two, when feelings and efforts are recognized by the group, it helps people to be their authentic self, validate their purpose, and avoid burnout. Number three, behavior and performance are directly influenced by authenticity of values and consistency of standards. Number four, trust in teamwork empowers employees to perform their best. Number five, if ego and competition disrupt collaborations, focus on big picture impact and culture citizenship. Number six, collaborations thrive when different personalities find unique similarities. Number seven, balancing work, play, and creativity energizes people throughout the day. And number eight, connecting with people face-to-face -face is timeless. Wow, never did I think that last insight would be so relevant years later during a global pandemic, keeping us all socially distanced. That is definitely something I miss the most about being in an office space. Being around people and conducting business face-to-face -face will never go out of style.
workplace wellness extends well beyond the physical space, company benefits, HR programs and policies, and office amenities. It's an ecosystem comprised of our personal relationship with work and our company, the project teams that we're on, our relationship with our managers and bosses, the workplace culture, and society's role in the economy, our industries, and job roles. If you've been listening to the past episodes, you may have guessed what the next episode in this workplace series will be about. Thank you for listening to part three of the workplace series, A Brave New Workforce, in association with Good Business Design. Tune in next week for part four, which will be focused on leadership and how different leader types can affect our well-being at work. If you're interested in this podcast series focused on the workplace, you might also like Good Business Design's Workplace Quarterly, which is my business's quarterly magazine, sharing insight into all things work, design, human, and business. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting www.goodbusinessdesign.com forward slash subscribe. I'm your host, Chelsea Connolly, signing off and as always, wishing you a healthier and happier way to live. <laughs>